If Christ were to come back tomorrow, what would you do today? That question was asked of Martin Luther, to which he responded with, well, I would plant a tree. See, a tree takes time, a tree takes patience, and a tree takes a faith for tomorrow. Waiting with God is similar. We wait with purpose. We wait with action. We wait with hope. This is the second episode in our Advent series where we'll take a different approach to understand this season of finding joy. Let's go. Welcome to the Growing People podcast. I'm your host, Jared. Growing people don't like to wait. I mean, who does? Waiting in line at the DMV, waiting for the right person to come into our lives, waiting for healing. But God's timing is different. God's timing is patient. God's timing includes all. Joining us today and each week throughout this Advent series, Pastor Mark again. Mark, welcome. Good to see you, Jared. Glad to be talking about Advent today with you. It's been a a good season so far and uh, uh, more weeks certainly that I'm looking forward to. This week, you touched on 2 Peter. Now, the first book of the Bible that comes to mind when I think of Advent is Second Peter. <laughs> yes. So this is this is one of the things Advent invites us to do. It forces us to do. Yeah, you don't get you don't get the story of the angel announcing Jesus's birth in in First and Second Peter. You don't get the story of Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem in First and Second Peter. Honestly, it, it is a little difficult for us because we go to the mall and there's red and green stuff everywhere and our church is decorated for Christmas and we've got Christmas trees up everywhere. And and so like even our culture is ready and changing uh, the seasons and talking about the holidays, of course. But but Advent, Advent forces us to wait. Uh, Advent is intentionally designed so that we don't rush to the end of the story and that we recover what it's like to anticipate this thing that God is doing in Christ. This passage was very much about people rushing. So looking into it, Peter was alive for roughly 30-ish years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, And during that time, people got really restless waiting on this promised return. Jesus saying, I I will be back. So they're expecting, you know, like a week from tomorrow. And they're, so they're living through this. And here we are, you know, a number of years later, and this promised return hasn't happened. So Peter responds with this letter, and I'm paraphrasing here. He says, the Lord doesn't work within our time or our timing. He won't forget his promises, but there's much work to be done to redeem the world. Christ is coming to stay blameless and find shalom. Yeah, Peter's really in an interesting situation here at, at this point in the, the Jesus movement. You know, this is now the second generation of Jesus followers, possibly even the third generation. And so that first generation that received the good news, some, some of them have died. They were anticipating an imminent return of Christ, and some of them have died. And now uh, the other followers of Jesus, where you know churches have been established throughout the Mediterranean world, they're starting to ask a lot of questions. 
Uh, keep in mind, they don't have a New Testament in their hand the way we do. They have maybe a letter from Paul that Peter references in this epistle, but uh, maybe they have a copy of something Paul's written. Maybe, maybe even one of the Gospels is circulating at this point, but it's certainly not put together 27 books and you know, this is how you make sense of, of who God is and what he's done in Christ. So Peter's writing this letter to say, Jesus promised he would return. I know him. He's my friend. I've seen him and he made a promise to return. And if that's the promise he made, he's going to keep that promise. I think so much that verse is just translates perfectly to, to today where we, we want it we get it. I mean, mm-hmm. now you can go, we've got a number of Amazon distribution things. You can get stuff the same day. We, were, My wife and I were just talking about that because our house, the proximity of our house to the distribution center, uh, she ordered something in the morning and by five o'clock it was on the front door. Without ever having to do anything, that's now our expectation of yes. I'm, I want it. I need it. I'm promised it. It needs to show up immediately. Mm-hmm. And we even have a device in our pocket that with a tracking number, we can see where it is in real time. You know, in the first century, if they were wanting things, uh, if they were wanting things quickly, that is only exponentially more true now. We want things now. We don't like to wait. The thing that I have learned that you don't pray for is patience because God will present to you a situation, a scenario in your life in which patience will be required. Mm-hmm. And that is a painful lesson to learn. And then Advent is this season on our calendar that rolls around every year to remind you that patience is a virtue that you need. That part of your progression towards Christ-likeness is cultivating patience. Well, if you think leading, leading up to the birth of Jesus... Really, all through the Old Testament, you've got Isaiah and other prophets that are promising this coming Messiah, and hundreds of years pass. In fact, there's a 400-year period of total silence between the very last book and Matthew, where we where we now hear, you know, mm-hmm. getting into our Advent story. So Advent is almost cloaked in patience and in waiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, the whole biblical story is, is a really a story of of God teaching the people how to wait. Again, in preparation for this week, trying to think of situations where I have been forced to wait, or when I've gone outside of that waiting period, and and what's happened back in 2017, I had been at that job for almost three years. My wife and I had our brand new baby boy at the time. He was probably seven or eight months if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm doing the math correctly. So I'm a new parent. I am understanding how expensive kids are, <laughs> but I've, but I'm in this position. I've worked my way up at, at work and, you know, we're, we're, we're doing okay to be able to support the family. And I remember in February, the day started out really weird because the the big boss who was always in his office when you get there wasn't there. The light was off and his backpack wasn't there. And then his boss was in town. He had 
gone into my manager's office and then my manager turns off his light and walks out with a backpack. And then two sets of emails goes out. One set was for a group of people that said to meet upstairs. And the other set was for a group of people to meet downstairs. And I was in the upstairs group. And so I walk into this room, there's a representative from HR and then the big boss there. It's letting us know that effective immediately, we no longer had jobs. Mm. I wish I could describe to you that empty gut feeling of having your security ripped Mm. out from underneath you. Mm. Wife's at home. She is caring for um, Mm -hmm. our new baby. There's no source of income from that. And so about 1030 in the morning, I rolled back home with a box in my hand. And she says, why are you home? And I didn't have a word for it. Mm-hmm. I just set down the box and locked myself in the room. What an empty, empty feeling that was. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That next Sunday, we were at church. The sermon was about facing your giants. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I went up to, I went up to Pastor Sam, and I just, I cried <laughs> because I was so broken. Mm. Had absolutely no idea what I was going to do, but I knew that I didn't have time for patience. <laughs> I didn't have time to wait. The one time that I went on my knees about this was up at the at the front on that Sunday, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then from there, I was like head down. I've got to go work. Mm-hmm. So two weeks later, I had, I had a job. Today, that is my singular worst job I've ever had. Mm. I was in training for two weeks. I was on the floor for two weeks and I quit. I wish I could tell you how bad this job was, but it was- Was de- not for you. It was not. It was <laughs> demoralizing, borderline dehumanizing, and, and I had to get out. It was at that point that I had to pray. I felt like I had nothing else. Mm -hmm. And that prayer led me to another job, which was making significantly less money. The short job that I found was making less than what I was at the place I was laid off. And now I'm at this third place where I'm making even less, Mm. but I was happy. Mm. We're eating into our savings like crazy. But there was a guy that I met there who is already looking for another job. He was just very job forward. And he had gotten in touch with someone for this new ish company that was opening up. And it turns out that guy was one of my bosses at my original job. And I reached out to him and said, Hey, I would love to be a part. And he brought me on and that set my feet for the next five years of career growth that I can tell you now is something I never expected, Hmm. never anticipated. It took my life in a totally different direction. But it wasn't until I finally prayed Mm -hmm. and broke down and was willing to wait through significant financial loss. So is the Lord slow in keeping his promises? I mean, looking back, it's easy to say that, oh, that was a mere, you know, couple years that that we struggled, or it was a mere five years. But in the moment, grinding every single day, asking for this immediate move, Mm -hmm. 
was it was painful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Felt pretty dark, didn't it? It felt really dark. Mm. Where was the joy in the waiting? Like, like were there glimpses of joy in the waiting? Like, can you remember the that that transition period from you know the moment you find out you're laid off, which so many people listening have had that exact experience. It's loss of a different, we talk, often talk about loss of life and mm-hmm. grief and, and that that obviously is more acute, but this loss of livelihood, income, career, trajectory, that's a loss as well. Mm-hmm. So that moment of, hey, you're laid off to two or three jobs later, you're now in something that that obviously is a very positive open door for you. Where was the joy in that? Or were there glimpses of joy? You know, looking back, there are so many altars that I can place where where God moved and positioned me in such a in such a way as to kind of be prepared for for what was coming. But if you're asking for where the joy was, I found some of the best people I've ever met. Mm throughout that timeline. In fact, one of them, uh, she just got married. There weren't many people from that job that she invited, but I was one of them. Mm. And so someone that I've been able to stay close with and watch her grow and do amazing things in her career, the joy came in this relationship building. I then getting in touch Back then with my with my old boss, I no longer work at that company, but he and I are still close. We do lunch every now and again, and I've been able to cultivate friendships and relationships that had I just tried to forge my own path, I don't think I would have ever encountered these people. Mm. In the moment, it, it's tough to recognize that that's what joy is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But and looking it, back in retrospect mm-hmm. you see what god was doing yeah I'm, i often have to remind myself that like joy biblical joy the the kind of joy that paul can have when he's writing to the philippians from jail and he mentions the word joy more than any other of the epistles in the new testament i have to remind myself that like the joy that god gives is not based on our circumstances it's based in his character who he is so we can have moments of of joy, which is contentment, which is an assurance that we're not alone. We can have that even in the midst of these terrible situations, but we often don't recognize it until God's already brought us through. So it's often in retrospect, right? Yeah. Is there a way then in the moment that I can I can recognize this this joy that that I'm being given in the midst of my situation. I mean, I think that's what Advent teaches us to do. Like that's why that's why we're not that you know here in the second week of Advent, we're not reading about Mary giving birth to her firstborn and wrapping him in swaddling clothes and lying him in a manger. Like we're reading about a group of people who were waiting, who were experiencing disorientation, who they weren't sure if Jesus was going to return or not. We go to these texts that train us to, to focus on the Lord and his character and his presence 
even when our circumstances would cloud that. You know, the the Bible remains true. The story of God remains true, even in, in every situation and in every circumstance. Of all the things that shift and change, the truths of God's word remain the same. So anchor ourselves in the past, meaning the the work that God has done mm-hmm. while looking forward to what God is doing. And recognize, as Peter says, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. God is keeping time in a way that is beyond our understanding. So then more on how it is that we are waiting in Advent, help us to know more, help us to understand more, because yeah. it can't be as simple as just waiting for Christmas. Like I'm, right. I'm sitting here for, for Christmas day and that's the kind of waiting that I'm doing. Right, right. Well, keep in mind that this season is certainly we're going to tell the story of Christ's first coming, his first advent, but it trains us to be ready for his second advent, for his second coming. And so in this time, you know, it's in, we need to be intentional about what kind of people should we be? What kind of people are we to be as we await a coming Jesus, uh, as we, as we await Jesus uh, return? And I love that quote from Luther that you found that I very willingly added into the sermon (laughs) that, um, you know, it it is, you know, what are we to do? Oh, plant a tree. You know, if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what are you going to do? I'm not going to go liquidate my bank account and, you know, give all my stuff away. And Luther says, no, I'm going to plant a tree. I'm going to continue to stay the course. Because it really is about partnering with God and what God is doing in the waiting. Yes. Yes, for sure. In fact, my particular understanding of eschatology, if you will, uh, is not filled with gloom and doom and despair and fear. My imagination is more animated by this idea that, okay, Christ is coming. And when he comes, his kingdom will be eternally established. I'm I'm just so convinced that the work he's given me to do today is contributing to that ultimate kingdom. And so the the best thing I can do as I anticipate Christ's return is, is, is to join with God, to partner with God in bringing about this kingdom. I, I, I don't think the things that we do that are focused on the eternal I think they matter. I think they count. I don't think they're just going to burn away and God's going to just snap his fingers and just, you know, blow it all up and none of that stuff's going to matter. I I, I think somehow in the mystery of God and and how he's ordering his ultimate uh, purposes for the world, that the conversations we have, the people we invest in, the lives that we touch, um, those intentional investments that we make, God is using all of those to contribute to what he's ultimately going to do. Because Peter talked a lot in the passage about kind of that doom and gloom that you that you mentioned. Yeah. And I mean, how easy is it to see doom and gloom today with go- what's, what's going on in, mm-hmm. in the Middle East? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all over your TV. It's all over your mm-hmm. your radio however it is that you are consuming media it's everywhere that the doom and gloom mm-hmm. so how is it then that i still 
can look forward to the promise. Peter's pulling some apocalyptic imagery from, I think, the prophet Joel there, uh, as well as some other places. I mean, that was clearly the, the imagination of those early followers of Jesus that, you know, there is this kind of day of reckoning coming, this day of judgment. But but I, I think what John does in Revelation helps refine that, where we see that ultimately this new heaven and this new earth emerge, and and that is what we're moving towards. And so... I don't think we need to be people of fear. I don't think we need to certainly what you see happening in, in Israel and Gaza uh, is concerning, but I, I would just remind everyone that that kind of warfare, that kind of brutality, that kind of ugliness, it literally has been happening all over the world in all kinds of different places. Only occasionally are we aware of it. And here's, here's kind of a good example. I mean, some awful things have been happening in Yemen over the last decade. And I don't think most people even know about it. We certainly know about Israel and Gaza, but uh, you know, I, I think about the suffering that's happening in Yemen, parts of North Africa, and, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on, but, but Russia, Ukraine, that certainly mm-hmm. leads to headlines, Israel, Gaza, that leads to headlines. A point in saying that is that God is at work. God is at work and, and he is present and, and we should continue to stay focused on him and his promises and, and who he's called us to be. Peter brings us another piece of good news in that God is waiting for all of us in the midst of all that is going on and the, the doom and gloom as we're, as we're mentioning here, God is still focused on the one. God is still leaving the 99 for, for the one. And I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, imagine if you were the last one that God was waiting on before allowing Jesus to return, wouldn't you be grateful yeah, for that, sure. that he waited? So yeah. consider those around you. So while you've been faithful for your whole life and you're wanting to hurry this return, you're you're crying out to Peter, why isn't this happening? You know, maybe God's timing includes them as well. Absolutely. And you know, for our theology at in our church, uh, this this text uh, that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That is so formative for us as people of provenient grace. We believe that all people have the opportunity to respond to the gospel, and I like to say. There are no non-Christians, only pre-Christians. The not yets. The not these are the not yets. And I and I think for us, you know, we 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 have to keep that in mind as we as we pray for kids and and children who don't know the Lord yet. I know pe- many people listening, they have adult children who may be far from God or have walked away from the faith. You know, you, you think about people that are on your prayer list and people that, you know, you're really concerned about. Just know that this this is a truth from God's word. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so let's trust in that. The story isn't over yet. The story is still being written. So then for us that are walking with, with the Lord now, maybe those are our action items. If you want to see Christ coming, you've got work to do. You, right. You've got more not yet to, right. to bring in. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to be the group. I, I don't want to be the group of Christians that like when Jesus actually returns, I don't want to be with a group of Christians who are huddled together in a corner with their canned goods. And they decided to just live in this little enclave and try not to sin. I, I want to be that group of Christians who are out there loving the unlovable. Uh, they're working for justice. They're sharing the good news. They're telling the story of what God has done for them. Um, they are getting their hands dirty and messy in ministry. And and I'm hope I hope I'm the group I'm with the group of people who have just spent their time and resources in letting everyone know that God loves them and God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And those are the people that are waiting with action in this Advent season. Right now, it might seem like we're living in the doom and gloom that Peter described. In spite of that, plant a tree. Have hope for tomorrow. God is seeking your redemption, or maybe your action, to bring someone else to redemption. In the blink of an eye, we will all see glory. But until then, we wait. Mark, again, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, Jared. Really appreciate it. This was good. And thank you for joining us in today's podcast. Remember, this was the second episode of our Advent series. We hope you join us each week through this season. Here at Central, we are growing people who are growing people. We believe strongly in your ability to grow, so please submit your questions about your journey with Christ to centralchurchonline.com slash podcast. See you next time.